You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship-winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Good grief, what a gorgeous Tuesday afternoon we've got in Alabama. It is just fantastic. Welcome into the show, as previously mentioned. We've got Lars, we've got Christian, we've got Matt, we've got Joe and the gang there at Tide 100.9. And welcome in to all. Appreciate you dialing us in. Remember our website at bignoonsports.com. And yes, we're on Twitter. You can follow us at Big Noon Sports. So welcome to the show, guys. How's everyone? We're doing great. Doing great. Uh, yeah, it is absolutely picture perfect outside. And uh, got big plans to take my little man to a golf course. And it'll be the first time we've actually got him on the course. And um, yeah, it's going to be special. It's going to be really special. Just playing a little par three. And, uh, you know, just one of those little walking par threes out at Oxmoor Valley. And going to do that this afternoon and uh, have some good father-son time. How about you, Christian? I'm enjoying the day, too. I, I need to go uh, hit some golf balls. I, I still haven't touched my sticks in so long, and um, this tournament is approaching. So I, I need to go out there. And a part, those part three courses are the best. They're just they're quick. They're, they're nice. There's one in Charlotte um, that me and my teammates used to go play a lot. And it, I don't know what it, what it is about it, but it's just a lot quicker, and it's just mm-hmm. a great way just to kind of practice without spending hours out there. So I actually enjoyed those parts. Yeah, courses. you don't have to make the commitment of uh, four and a half hours. Exactly. If you're playing behind Cantlay, uh, Cantlay, <laughs> six hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be able to let that one go. Um, just because, it, hey, who hasn't been behind guys who are playing at a really slow pace and they absolutely will not let you play through and then ultimately somebody in your group who's had maybe one too many is going to end up hitting into them like in the, at the 15th hole or so and uh yeah then all heck breaks loose but um how's your what, what is your plan for the afternoon matt um well, first I'm going to do this show. <laughs> uh, after that, I hadn't really got any plans, but it certainly needs to be outdoors, doesn't it? Um, you know, Lars and I were talking about this yesterday. Just not as many par three courses as there used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one at Robert Trent Jones was very challenging because they had several that were 180, 200. One, I think, was that was over a, a, a big gulch was like 230. Uh, but now they're pretty much the ones where you can stick about five clubs in your little bag and go play. But uh, they're not as prominent as they were. There is one down in, uh, I think, south, down along the coast, maybe Alabama or Florida, that's lit at night. They had one of those when I was first learning to play in Huntsville. Uh, the holes were anywhere from 80 to 110 yards. They were a lot of fun, plus you could play at night. So um, I would really like to get into that, especially when you're playing in July. 
at least you can play in 90 degree weather and not 100 but um par threes they're just not where they used to be i don't know lars can you find many of them is it other than the one at robert trent jones here in birmingham uh i don't know of any yeah, I think there there's one that's just outside of Coleman, and I think there's one in Tuscaloosa. Is that right, Joe? Is there? I, no, nope. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Um, but I be- there is. I don't know about it, and I want to know about it. Call us in. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, we will uh, move on from there. But. Uh, you know, yesterday, I, I didn't get a chance to ask Christian this. Uh, we didn't get a chance to really dive deep into Odell Beckham Jr. signing with uh, the Baltimore Ravens for $15 million. And there's some whispers coming out of Cincinnati that the Bengals are about ready to resign uh, T. Higgins to an extension. And... Jay and I, when when Jay Barker and I were doing the show together, Christian, like Jay always talked that about how he believed the best way to build a team was from the inside out, meaning you spend your resources on uh, the interior of the line. Absolutely. And then, you know, uh, and obviously your quarterback. But it seems like teams are going in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. And, 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 Cincinnati is going to obviously they're going to sign Chase right Jamar Chase once he becomes eligible for that second contract and so they are going to be allocating all of or a massive amount of resources to the edges if you were a GM right how would you go about what would be your basic philosophy when constructing your roster that's a great question Um, I I, uh too firmly believe in, you know, inside out principles of, you know, heavily investing in, in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Um, that's how I would go about it. And I know it's not the, the prettiest thing, you know, when it's the first round and everybody's watching the draft a guard from Notre Dame that you right. never really heard of. Like, you're kind of like, man, that's underwhelming. But those are your staples. You have to have those guys. If you want your team to be successful again, I keep going back to this, but you look at the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, yes, they invested heavily for offensive weapons, but first and foremost, it starts up front with that offensive line. If they didn't have that offensive line, I don't care if they have Smitty, A.J. Brown, and no, no shot to those guys because, again, they're phenomenal football players and they make a huge difference. However, if you don't have Lane Johnson at tackle protecting Hurts, if you don't have Kelsey at center anchoring the interior Right. You know, you you don't have Landon Dickerson at guard, uh, you know, getting that push to run the football effectively. I don't think those guys. uh, Yes, they'll still have, you know, great numbers, but not elite numbers. And um, with that being said, I, I, I too, believe in in investing up front. Now you're talking about the Bengals. Um, I feel like. They definitely need to invest in the offensive line. I mean, we're yeah. talking about a team Big whose time. quarterback is known for being one of the most sacked guys. Um, I'm all for paying your players um, that are deserving of it, who are have you know heavily contributing to your your team. Um, but at the same time, you have to invest in the offense line. You have to protect your quarterback. You have to invest in the guys to get pushed up front. And 
You just you don't see many teams, or I don't know any, that you are paying two wide receivers who are on their second contracts to be almost like number ones, right? So yeah, Smitty, so Smitty's still on his rookie deal. He's on deal. a rookie deal. Jalen's on a rookie deal as of now, right? Yeah. So you, th- those are all factors. But then you also got to remember, you also can uh, one form of investment is drafting. So yeah. if you do decide to pay those guys on the outside. You're going to have to spend those top picks on the on inside. It, on the inside. <laughs> yeah, so it's okay, just kind of, you know, you, you got to pick yeah, and choose. Balance, yeah. yeah, and you have to balance. <laughs> and then which is the better option? I guess there's variables that are in play. I mean, it depends on, you know, your your current situation or what the draft looks like. Um, it just it depends how, you, you know, how you look at it. But regardless, I think, you know, too many times people don't put enough emphasis on, you know, the the – offensive and defensive lines and um i think that's where a lot of teams mess up they go out and get these high profile names a receiver and running back and they're thinking oh these these guys score the touchdowns but those guys can't score those touchdowns without (laughs) quality offensive linemen or your defense you can have a a great uh cornerback like a jalen ramsey but i don't care how good you are on an island if that quarterback is sitting back there for five, six, seven seconds, yeah. the best of the best are going to get beat. The receiver is going to find a way to get separation. So that's why pass rush is important. The, the, that's the, the beautiful thing about football is that if you really look at it, everybody has to work in sync. Like we used to say on defense, we almost work on a rope system. And we're talking about like if the pressure's coming from the right side, it's like a rope system. This guy's rushing. This guy's dropping. Or this the interior guy's moving on this movement. And this guy is then dropping. It's almost like everybody's in sync, mm-hmm. and it's in ropes harmony. Going back and forth. Yeah, the ropes yeah. going back and forth. And, and, and in order to have a successful team, you have to have that that fluidity, that that continuity amongst all your players, right? And and they always say, you know, you're you're only as strong as your weakest link. So. I feel like I'm teaching a philosophy class well, on football they, right they, now, but it's, the, that's really if, like if how a, it if works. A, if a guy blew his assignment, would other players let him know? Absolutely. In the huddle? like Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, because typically if someone blows an assignment, there's a great chance of big play. We call them big plays or explosive plays. So like anything that's like 20 yards plus, right, those are big plays, explosive plays. Nine times out of ten, especially at a place like Alabama, if there's a play like that, it's, uh, you know, this sounds, I mean to say this in a humble way. It's very rare we just get beat straight off talent, right? Like, it's very mm-hmm. rare somebody just burns our corners. Like, typically you see it, like, again, all respect to Tennessee. They, they, they played a phenomenal game. But we can go back and watch those, those, those clips. And I will show, I will point out, I guarantee you on at least 80% of them, I can point to you and say that was a bust. That was a mental error. It's yeah, no. It seemed like in that game there were times when certain uh, people in the secondary thought it was a zone. Yep, and certain people thought it was a man. Yeah, and there's concepts too where it's like we used to, like for instance like there was one play. I'm um, thinking about it specifically. The defensive end we called a share rush. So you're 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 literally you have a contained rush on the quarterback. You're, you're pass rush on the C gap. But if you have a flare route, the running back flares out of the backfield, he runs a wheel route, you're responsible to take him. So it's almost like your assignment is ambiguous. I mean, like, because you, you're, you're rushing the passer, but if you have a threat run past your face out of the backfield, you have to take him. 
like those are little yeah. things where like I watched I can't remember who was playing it but the, the defensive end didn't take him and I saw the, the inside linebacker they didn't communicate that correctly because one of those guys either the inside linebacker has him or the defensive end has him it's a shared responsibility and nobody took him that's a bust are there certain plays and then we'll move on I know we gotta get to commercial here in a second but there are certain plays uh, that the offense they just have you beat Based on what the what your defense was called, there, yeah, that, that that definitely can happen. Um, and, yeah, and I'm not saying even Alabama, like we're not invincible. And, and again, it's part of football. I mean, it's almost like chess, right? I mean, these coordinators are like, because you don't know what they're going to run. I mean, you might have an idea on their formation or their personnel, but the coordinator has to make a call based off of what he's seeing. Then we have to go out there and execute. So there's going to be some times where he might call a boundary pressure and they might be running, you know, to the field away from that pressure. Right. That that, that can happen. Or, yeah, or they might just block it to perfection. Right. You know, the, the guards might just combo up on the linebackers perfectly. The running back makes a, the D, uh, the safety uh, miss. He goes for 30. It happens. But a lot of the times you see these big explosive plays, especially like in college, Oh, it's normally a bus. Somebody messed up. How does this relate to defense as far as rebuilding a defense like you guys were talking about at the very top of the show? I'd like to dive into that, especially with the University of Alabama, because after an article I read that Mike Rodak did on AL.com this morning, it drew my concerns even more so for the Crimson Tide playing defense in the upcoming 23 season. So we'll talk about that on the show today. Steve Irvine will join us at the bottom of the hour. Of course, he can talk about anything UAB, anything sports, really. But uh, this is the week that the USF begins their second season and uh, that'll be interesting because he covers that beat as well they're playing Saturday night at protective so that's all good then in the second hour uh, we'll go back to basketball a little bit but uh, more to congratulate Kevin Skarbinski on his recent inductment uh, into the college it's the uh, basketball writers hall of fame wow what a big deal he went out to yeah, it's a really big that deal. Yep. yeah it's cool. Nobody no more deserving than I know either. We'll talk about that more on the other side of the break. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful afternoon, a sunny sky, the high today 75, clear tonight below 48. Tomorrow, sunny weather continues, the high 76. Thursday becoming cloudy with a good chance of rain by afternoon, the high Thursday at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Big News Sports, Matt Coker, Lars Anderson, Christian Miller. Appreciate everybody dialing us in. And uh, you can do that literally if you want to phone in right now. First guest is bottom of the hour. That'll be Steve Irvine. But you can dial 205-342-9904. 
1-800-529-9904. So that is wide open to you. Continuing the thread as we're talking about building a football team, it started with the uh, NFL offense building from the inside out. I think we all three agree on that. But uh, I read a story this morning, I'm sure you guys did too, on AL.com about Alabama's defense. And Terry on Arnold, who's one of the very few guys that's bringing back a lot of experience in Alabama's secondary, well, he says that he thinks this can be a really, really great defense. Uh, that remains to be seen. We've seen Saban build them before. We'll see what thing Kevin Steele can put together. But uh, the thing that really I popped me in reading this article is that Alabama lost eight starters. Christian, is that right? Alabama lost eight starters from last year's defense? I'm honestly not sure yeah, on that. I'll have Lawrence check. That sounds about me, right. Yeah, and that, that includes Will Anderson, by the way. Yeah, I was about so to that's say. that's like I mean, losing 11. That sounds about right, honestly, for uh, for our defenses. You know, again, whether uh, typically everybody's really lost to the draft, uh, whether you're underclassman or senior. But, um, yeah, that sounds about right. And um, I guess what I would say to that is, you know, that's almost, you know, we've grown accustomed to that around here. Um, and that's why Coach Saban always preaches about the next man up mentality, whether it's if a guy goes down due to injury and somebody's filling his spot or that means with guys moving on um, and, and guys have to step up into larger roles. Coach Saban always speaks on that. And that's why he makes it a point of emphasis that, you know, even if you're in a position, you know, this year, um, so to speak, you know, you're a special teams contributor and you're kind of, you know, in a rotational role. You know, always take your job very serious and, and, and know what you're doing because you never know when you're going to be um, counted upon. And um, I think I think a lot of guys have really good opportunities uh, coming up this year. Speaking on the defensive side, I mean, you got a guy like Malachi Moore, um, who, matter of fact, I was with him uh, this past well, Friday, I think, eating some crawfish. But, um, you know, they worked him at safety some um, in, this, in this past scrimmage. And you're talking about a guy who um, had a phenomenal freshman year uh, you know, has a lot of experience at that that uh, star and um, that dime position. Uh, but now he's going to have uh, a, a much larger role um, with losing guys like Jordan Battle, um, Helms, Branch. Um, so he's going to be that veteran presence, and he's going to have a much larger role. And he'll fill into that just nicely. Again, talking about a guy who had a really good freshman campaign, has been a you know a constant contributor since he's been here. Um, now it's time for him to be a leader. So he'll step up. You mentioned Terry on Arnold. Um, got some experience last year. Um, played well when he was in there. Then we saw Ricks kind of come in and kind of take back over that spot. But again, um, that, that that experience Arnold got this past year um, was so valuable to him. And, you know, he'll probably step in and more than likely be playing across from Kool-Aid. But then you got some younger guys that you might not necessarily, you know, know about because they didn't necessarily contribute this past season as much. But they're going to step in um, because now it's their turn. And that's typically how this kind of machine, as we call it, you know, works around here where guys um, that you might not necessarily hear about, they kind of step in and and they end up um, making themselves very well known by the time it's all said and done. So I'm excited about it. you got a new coordinator in, in Kevin Steele, a guy who's, you know, got a plethora of experience in the SEC, old school type of football coach, loves ball. Um, yeah, I think he's a great fit for these guys to kind of get them playing with that intensity, that tenacity. And um, I'm excited to watch this defense. I mean, not to mention you got the, the, some some newer guys. You got a, a Georgia linebacker that transferred in. You got a Juco linebacker. You know, I studied those guys when I was doing those signing day shows, and both those guys were really good athletes. You know, they're flying around, 
have great range, sideline to sideline, can drive back in coverage. Um, and even though they're not the biggest guys, you know, they're not afraid of contact. Those guys, they can thump for, for more athletic built linebackers, which is what we typically see nowadays anyway. Uh, the game's kind of transitioned to more uh, of, of the speedy athletic defenders versus those big heavy set guys that we once saw. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about it. And um, I'll be doing the sideline reporting for a day. And so I'll have a up close and personal look from the sideline. So um, I'm looking forward to that too. Yeah. And um, Keon Keeley, oh, how yeah. hard is it to uh, make a real impact uh, as a as a true freshman, I mean it's it's difficult. But here's the thing, um, and it all depends. Every guy is different, right? And it, and it really doesn't even. It's not even dictated by you know where you were ranked as a recruit. I mean that doesn't matter. I mean like when we came in in 2014. I mean Marlon Humphrey, who's an All Pro cornerback in the NFL right yeah, now, probably the best in the NFL, one of the best cornerbacks in the league right now. Me, him, um, and probably three or four other guys who are highly recruit uh, recruited um, football players coming out of high school. We all redshirted our freshman year. Um, Tony Brown didn't redshirt. Um, you know, he, Cam Robinson didn't redshirt. There's only a few guys that didn't that actually played that that year in 2014. Um, but what, I, what I'm getting at is, I mean, it, it, every guy's path is different. But to answer your question, um, it, it, it really just depends on, number one, you know, where they stand um, from a physical standpoint. You know, do they need to come in and hit the weight room and develop and add some more strength to, to be a contributor? Like, that was my path. Um, a lot of these guys nowadays don't necessarily have that. I mean, we're looking at, like, nowadays, these recruits, man, I mean, they're coming in Physically, I mean, they, they look like grown men, right? That's just kind of how we're, we're kind of shifted towards that. But the other side of it is, you know, are they mentally mature enough to come in and, and take on a, a, a large role, right? Like, it's not just a matter of learning a playbook, but it's truly understanding your role in the defense or the offense and how you necessarily contribute to that. Um, and, and that's the biggest thing, like how, how quick you can, number one, you know, get caught up to the speed of the game because there's a there's a big jump between high school and college. Like, I mean, it's it's a major step up um, in terms of the speed of the game, the size of the guys you're going against. Like, I mean, the tackles I was going against in high school are maybe averaging six one, six two, two hundred and seventy pounds. Right? You get to Alabama, and these guys are six six three thirty. All of them. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just is a matter of can you get caught up to speed and then. I have no doubt a lot of these guys. Well, got, watching Keon, speaking on him, I mean, he's got all the tools, and he's still a raw uh, talent, right? Like, I mean, I, he's still putting it all together, and I think as soon as he gets on campus, he can really, you know, work with these coaches, you know, get into the playbook, understand. Again, you, you just, it's just a matter of really understanding what you're doing. It's not, Are you at a, a big deficit as a freshman if you don't enroll early because the Nowadays, majority yeah. of them do enroll in January. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, because, I mean, I think probably, and I'm making this number up, but uh, if I had to guess, probably more than 80% yeah, of the guys. about 80. Yeah, probably 80% or, or more of this signing class is already on campus. So um, you almost are, there's no way you're not at a deficit because everybody else is, They've been. They went through the fourth quarter program, where I know that's just working out and, and conditioning. But you still have meetings. You know when you do that before you go out on the field, you always meet. So they're they're learning the playbook then. 
Then they're going into spring ball. Now, not only are they meeting and learning it every single day now, but they're also applying it on the field. They're getting those physical reps of, you know, hey, this this is my new position. This is my position here. This is our playbook. This is what I'm they're, – they're in the system now. And so you're talking about a guy who nowadays is coming in in June. I mean, all you have is just summer workouts and training camp. Yeah. So it, it you are kind of at a deficit. That doesn't mean you still you're not going to be able to contribute. What, but obviously, those guys that came in January are going what to. What weight did you play at by? When I when I first got here, I was like 210 pounds. When I when I finally my third year here, I was up to about 230 ish. So I, and then the when reason, I, my senior year, I was 240, 240 plus. Yeah. The reason I asked is because Dallas Turner is somebody I'm really intrigued with, and yeah. he's six four, two forty. Like that was almost, like he's like the, how I was that size my senior year. Like yeah, yeah. And, and, and so what are your expectations for Dallas Turner? Is he someone a player who could be the leader of the defense? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's who's contributed heavily, you know, since he stepped on campus. Um, you know, very dynamic pass rush threat, uh, but he's also stout against the run. Um, so he's a really good athlete, but a strong athlete as well. And um, I think his biggest hurdle is just you know staying healthy. You know he's out in the spring right now, um, had a little procedure done. Um, but I, I think as long as he can stay healthy, yeah, I think that's the guy that's going to step up, kind of be a tone setter on that defense. Because again, he's an outside linebacker, edge rusher, so he's somewhat you know part of the defensive line in the trenches. You know, but he's also kind of like that linebacker mold. So. You know, you look at a guy, I was talking to my teammate Anthony yesterday, he was kind of like that, that tone setter on the edge, right? You know, good pass rusher, but just strong against the run and really just set the tone for everybody else. So I think Dallas definitely could be that type of player. I think it's kind of his defense to take if he wants to. He certainly is. He is an immensely talented young man. Hey, when we get back, immensely talented Steve Irvine is on Big Noon Sports. T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Hey, D.C. National Championship Team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big News Sports. Welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us. You got Christian Anderson. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, Christian Anderson. That's a guy from some book. You got Christian Miller, Lars Anderson, and Pat Coulter. You'd think I'd have it right after six months. But anyway, we are uh, joined now by Steve Irvine, who works for 1819 News slash Sports. In fact, he pretty much is their sports. Uh, writes a lot about UAB. And, and this week, want to talk to him about the Birmingham Stallions, uh, who opened their season defending their USFL championship this Saturday night at Protective. Steve, how you doing? And how are things looking? I know you've been some practices and interviewed a lot of people. How are they looking for the champs? Uh, I mean, I think they're, honestly, I think they're probably a little better than last year. And, you know, of course, last year, I think everybody is probably after having a, a year of this thing. But, uh, you know, I think they've had some pretty good pieces. <laughs> you know, they just, um, just this week, they got uh, Thaddeus Moss, who's Randy Moss's son, and played at LSU on a national championship team tied in. He, he, they just signed him uh, yesterday. So, uh, still adding some pieces. Uh, they finally, you know, they cut down to the, 50 that they're going to play with and you know i, I think they're going to be uh, you know going to be pretty good i mean you, with these leagues you never know i mean you never know what uh you know who's going to come together because you know there's no tough thing about these leagues is there's no otas there's no off season you know uh training together at least so you know they've got to kind of do this thing on the fly but they've got about 80 percent of their roster back from last year so um you know we'll see Steve, uh, can you explain to our listeners just uh, the format of how the scheduling is going to work? You know, last year, obviously, uh, the Stallions had home field advantage every single game. How's it going to work this year? Well, they have four hubs, uh, which, uh, you know, two teams in each hub. So there's eight teams in the league. And here in Birmingham, it's New Orleans Breakers and and the Birmingham Stallions. There's a hub in... uh, Memphis, I believe a hub in, golly, I forgot where they are now. I mean, Detroit has one. I can't remember where the other one is. But there's four. So there's two teams at each hub. And so what you'll do is you'll go play, uh, you, you know, your, your road games will be at, at one of those hubs. So you might play, and you'll play, they play everybody, so on a home and away. So you'll have, um, well, not everybody. I think there's one that they don't hit. But You'll have a game on, uh, you know, so you, like you might go to Detroit and play Pittsburgh. I, I think Pittsburgh might be the other team in Detroit. I remember exactly what it is. But anyway, you just go, you, you'll go play your, your games there, and your home games will be played. Uh, you, you'll play one. A lot of times they'll play one on, on Saturday, one on Sunday at a hub. Sometimes they'll play them back to back. It just 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 depends. But uh, you, so you'll go. Um, so so the Stallions will go. You know they'll take. You know, half their games will be on the road this year, which they didn't have to do last year. So that'll be interesting. And honestly, I think the players are looking forward to that. I mean, I think they enjoy that. You know, I think – I mean, you, you've been around a long time, Lars, and obviously Christian is a former player. You know this. It's, it's kind of fun to go on the road. It's kind of fun to, you know, get people yelling at you and, and, and kind of get you going a little bit. So I think that for the players, I think they really look forward to it. Who do you have as kind of like some high-impact players for the Stallions? I know they're returning um, an ample amount of their guys from last year, but is there anybody in particular that you look at that you feel like is going to be a staple to the team this upcoming season? Well, I think the guy that I really think is going to be a staple is Bo Scarborough. And I, and I say that because, you know, he came in last year, you know, about halfway through the year, maybe, maybe even a little past halfway through the year, later in the year, and, and and really, I think was just kind of easing his way into it. Well, now he's now he's he's coming back, and he'll be he'll be the guy. You know, he'll be uh, you know they've got some other running backs that are good, but you know he he's going to come in from day one. And I, I just think he's going to have a 
a really good year because because of that because he's he's been here. You know, and you know, aside from that, I mean, I mean, they've picked up. You know, Dean Kane that, that played a receiver out of Clemson and was really good for him, and and uh, the Jake Sternberger from Texas A&M, the tight end. Uh, I mean, so they picked up some pretty good guys. They've got some pretty good skill guys. Picked up a couple guys from UAB that uh, receivers Myron Mitchell and and Austin Watkins that were I think are going to be really good guys that were kind of on the fringe, almost made NFL rosters, but because of injuries or numbers, just didn't have didn't didn't get there. So this is a chance for them to maybe get back in there. So. I think there's going to be a lot of guys, but the guy I really look to is uh, again is Bo Scarborough. Steve, real quick, just to follow up, uh, you mentioned Jay Sternberger, you mentioned Thaddeus Moss. I mean, those those guys um, both have NFL experience um, and, and were very good, you know, college football players. What does that say about this league? Their ability to to get these quality football players to come join and play in this league. Well, I, I think it says it, uh, a lot. I think it says a lot about the quality, and I think a lot of it is because it's the second year. You know, I don't know that they would have got these same guys a year ago because, because you know, because you always have that kind of skepticism, you know, going into a league like this, like, well, you know, is it going to last? Should I, should I waste my time with it? You know, when you when you have a second year and when, when you've established yourself after a year, and that doesn't mean that it, it's only going to last another year. Who knows what's going to last? But still, there's a, there's sort of a feeling that, 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 you know, hey, this thing might might just last. And they might, you know, they did things right the first year and, so I think that's kind of why you see a lot of these guys uh, come, come, come into, uh, you know, come into this league. I want to go back to last year for just a minute, especially, by the way, our guest is Steve Irvine from 1819 New Sports. Uh, what was the, you know, the nucleus of this team that enabled them to win the league? You said 80% are back. That would, you, that would tell you they got a good chance to defend their championship. But what was it about this team? Because we all remember – they didn't blow anybody out. In fact, I think they trailed almost every game in the second half, but they found a way to win. Is it impossible for me to ask you if you can see that's coming back? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the football guys might not smile on them this year. They might they might lose those <laughs> same games. You know, they might bounce a little different. Uh, I, I tell you what, I think a lot of it starts with Skip Holtz. I mean, I think Skip Holtz really, uh, really did a good job of, um, you know, it's a tough – it's a, it, it, it was a tough coaching league last year. It's tough because you don't really know what to do. I mean, there's a lot of guys that are college guys. They've never, they hadn't really been around this. Uh, the, you know, the other players knew what was happening, you know, really knew how this league was going to be structured. And I really think he was kind of the right personality that, to handle that, uh, you know, team last year. And, and it helped. You know, it helped that, they, that all the games were at home. I mean, let's 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 be honest. But but you know, they won tough games in Canton, and you know, in the semis and and, and the championship game too. So so that you know, it wasn't like it was just just at home when they won close games. But I mean, I give a lot of credit to uh, to to Skip Holtz. And I, I tell you what, I also give a lot of credit to Jamar Smith, even though Alex Magoo was you know really the guy that kind of won the game in the championship game for him, but. You know, Jamar Smith was a guy that had been with with Lou Holtz for a long time. You know, had um, you know had, had been told he wasn't good enough to play in the XFL. Had been you know certainly didn't make an NFL roster. You know, had some things that happened to him at Louisiana Tech that were were tough. That you know, uh, and, and he just he's a he's a resilient leader type of guy that just kind of you know not always pretty. But he finds ways to, to win games, you know, and, and I think that he had a lot to do with that, too. This is a tough question and one that I don't know the answer to. Um, 
you pit the best USFL team against the best XFL team. Who's going to win that game? And just by and large, which league do you think has the greater pool of talent? Wow, that's that's tough. I, you know, I don't watch enough XFL to know. I think, um, boy, that's a tough one. I really don't know. You know, and I, I will say this. I think, I think what uh, the difference is, I think the leagues are really similar talent-wise. I think it's just a matter of when a you know when when a guy wants to play like 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 uh, Skip Holtz was mentioned the other day that Victor Bolden who was one of their better players who's you know uh, was is playing in the XFL now and the reason he went to the XFL is because they were played earlier so he could play earlier and then one, and then maybe get a shot in an NFL camp you know maybe get a better shot because he had played earlier so I think I think it's just a matter of. Um, the way it's set up, that it's a matter of just kind of what a player wants, and I think that allows to have sort of an even pool of players, you know, because you just kind of figure out, like, okay, this is what I want to do. I'd really play a little bit earlier than later. Uh, and so it's not, you know, it's not, uh, you're not looking at it and going, okay, well, this league's better. I got to go there. Uh, you're just looking at whatever fits, fits you a little better. And, so I think because of that, honestly, I think it's a. I think the talent level is pretty even. Do you see uh, after this season um, there be even more guys um, have opportunities to play the NFL? Because I think I think we saw last year there's a good number of guys earn the opportunity. Do you think um, with it being the second year and, and more talent coming into this league, um, do you see that there might be even more opportunities for these guys to have a chance to go make an NFL roster? Well, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, I, absolutely I do. I mean, I think that that, um, you know, I, I think that the NFL will, will look at that. And, and um, I, I think there's going to be a lot more, to be honest with you, because cause it, cause I think we're seeing that the, that the level is pretty good football. Now, it's not, obviously it's not NFL football. and, and But, but I, I think that, you know, it, it, with the way the NFL looks at it, they don't really care about the overall. They're looking for individuals, and and I think they're going to see some you know, a lot better individuals. And um, so, no, I, I absolutely think there'll be more uh, go for both of these leagues, from XFL and and USFL, be more guys getting a chance to to go into the league. Steve, as always, we appreciate your supporting our program, Big Noon Sports. Where can people find you? 1819news.com. Uh, see, see all our stuff on the sports page there. And at Steve Irvine04 on Twitter. Uh, look me up and, and read our stuff. I do, frequently. Thank I appreciate you, Steve. We'll talk again next week, probably. All right, thanks, guys. Appreciate thanks, Steve. Y'all. Great thanks, stuff, Steve. as always. Hey, Lars, I know you get a lot of comps, but last time you paid for a golf ball, or let's say a sleeve of three. What did you pay? Uh, yeah, twelve bucks. Uh, I mean, what's a dozen these days? Thirty something. At least, yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Especially well, if you want Pro V ones. Yeah, there's golf balls, and then there's golf balls that participated in the Masters. You're not gonna believe what somebody paid for one of those golf balls. We'll be back on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains.
This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. My caretaker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA grant number 18-VA-VS-050, the ABA, and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of r r Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to r r and see why we're the ultimate ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the strip. Also, they've got a great e commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful afternoon, a sunny sky, the high today 75, clear tonight below 48. Tomorrow, sunny weather continues, the high 76. Thursday becoming cloudy with a good chance of rain by afternoon, the high Thursday at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. up with him. Meantime, uh, interesting story, and I want to start really making a concerted effort here to give credit where it's due. This came out of a golf story from Sports Illustrated. Laura certainly would know that, but uh, know about him. But um, 
A young man when he was nine years old back in 1997 was given a golf ball by Tiger Woods after he had bogeyed a hole there at Augusta. Well, he held on to this golf ball until this year, and then it was sold at auction. Have you guys seen this story and want to take a guess at what it, uh, what the winner or the, the best bid was? I'm guessing $200,000. Well, not quite like that I, I, much. I'm sorry, 50, sorry, Christian, I cut you out of the guess. No, no, you're good. I, I was going to say probably around 50000 maybe. Yep, you're a lot closer. It sold for $64,124.40. Why they went down to the change, I guess it's what he wrote in on his little auction card. But anyway, um, that was his first Masters, right, Lars? 97, when he blew everybody away? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, his historic Masters, uh, the the first of his 15 major titles. Yeah. Uh, I should remember because yeah. I was there. Oh, um, yeah, and he won by a record 12 strokes. And that was yeah. the tournament, Matt, I'm sure you will recall, where Tiger Woods really emerged as sort of Gosh, I don't want to overstate this, but it emerged as an almost global figure, right? Not just, I think you're right. Not I, just a national figure, but a, yeah. but a global figure. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool that, you know, that the ball that had uh, uh, the word tiger stamped on it, um, it started, when the auction started, it started at 500 bucks. And, uh, well, good. Made it to incredible sixty four thousand one twenty four. Uh, that uh, yeah, that is uh, absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, gosh, I'm I, I wonder what compelled um, this person to uh, to uh, or Julian Nexon uh, again nine years old at the time. Uh, what compelled him to to put the ball up for auction now? Well, I mean, you know, I couldn't find it in the article. Go ahead, Christian. Well, no, I was just going to say. I mean, we we're also talking about. I mean, somebody. I, I don't. You'd have to look this up. But didn't somebody buy the jar of sand where Tom Brady filmed his retirement video? For like <laughs> yeah. thousands of dollars. Yeah. So, <laughs> and I don't know why this guy decided to auction the golf ball. I mean, I, I hate to say this is is sentimental as that golf ball probably is. I think I probably would let that golf ball go for $64,000 as well, too. As cool as it is, I'd get a cool picture of it or something with me holding it, and then I think I might let it go for that $60,000. Now, I would never pay that for a golf ball, but, um, man. It wasn't even uh, Pro V1. It was Titleist. Really? That's what, yeah. What, uh, they didn't have Pro V1s in 97. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, hey Tiger, guys, uh, Tiger was then 21. Gosh, just think of how much things have changed uh, oh, since my. that 90, 90, 1997 Masters 26 years ago. What's the, what's the most valuable memorabilia that, that both of you think you probably have? And I'm not trying to get, <laughs> make y'all a target if y'all have some gold crowns in there. I've got a signed book from Lars Anderson. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> y'all, y'all have anything that, like that? that you- I, I, you know what? I've never been a memorabilia person. How about you? I, I, I don't have anything. I mean, other than the, like the things that I've attained from, from me playing or like from, from my dad playing, I, I don't think I necessarily have anything. I mean, did you ever exchange jerseys w- with anyone in the NFL? Oh yeah. Not, man, I, I, I try to do that as, as many times as, as possible. Um, I, mean, I have like a signed guitar from Darius Rucker. I mean, I have oh, different cool. things here and there. 
Um, but nothing that I feel like would go for, oh, well, my, my championship rings, I guess those are probably <laughs> kind of valuable. Uh, hey, I meant to ask you yesterday, where do you keep your championship rings? Um, he's like he's not out. supposed to tell anybody yeah, that. I was, well, I was about to, well, I won't say specific, but but I um, I I I keep them in a safe place at home. I don't have them. To answer your question, if you mean like, do I have them like sitting on like an, on a display on a on a desk at home? Like no. saving in his office. He's no. got all of them right on his no. desk. No, no, but I, I don't do that just because. But that's like penetrating the, you know, the fortress of Fort Knox to get that <laughs> saving's office. So you, you would think so, but honestly. I know, it, it's about, actually not that I was, about, no, I was about to say, <laughs> if the you hardest like part you know is just doing? getting in the yeah, building, you, into Mount Moore. I was like, yeah. once you're in Mount Moore, I hate to say this, but I, I mean, and I'm not trying to give anybody ideas, but I mean. It's you know it's not you'd think you gotta, you to get, get by to Miss Linda. Off. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> she's a, she's a security up there, <laughs> but right. um, no, nah, I have them like where they're accessible to where if I want to get them for an event, like I have a speaking engagement I have to do tomorrow, I'll grab one of them, probably wear it just to bring with me. That way, um, the attendees can can look at them and, and hang on. You know, just take take pictures with them, hold on to them. But yeah, so they're not like in some like safe or you know they're untouchable but they're also not just sitting around I just when you have you know people in and out or like workers and stuff like i, I just be kind of worried just leaving my rings just yeah. sitting on a table because the last thing i wanted you know what i mean <laughs> to just look months later i'm like wait they're supposed to be i think i have what eight eight or nine total like, that, that, oh, that would be the worst wow. man you lost I'd track be, I'd be, honestly championship. if there's one thing yeah if there's one thing <laughs> to lose because i had a jersey stolen from me somebody stole one of my jerseys Let, we can let, talk about that the, on the yeah, other let's side let's hear that story yeah answer. by the way i need to get you to sign that if you don't mind Damn, if we, if we can find <laughs> it <laughs> i still have not got it back <laughs> first hour's up we'll be back with in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. My caretaker was very rough with me. 
I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA Grant Number 18-VA-VS-050, the ABA, and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see where we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. I've seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and Athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful afternoon, a sunny sky, the high today 75. Clear tonight, the low 48. Tomorrow's sunny weather continues, the high 76. Thursday becoming cloudy with a good chance of rain by afternoon. The high Thursday at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 72 degrees in Tuscaloosa. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Welcome back. We've made all our adjustments at halftime, so let's go for the second hour. Nice. Let's keep looking out my window. I got to get outside. Let's all do the show outside. Uh, anyway, it is an absolutely gorgeous afternoon in the state of Alabama. Lars, Christian, Matt, Joe, and the gang of Tide 100.9 is all with us. Uh, guys, I'm looking for a direction we could com- I could carry over with one story about a piece of memorabilia that's almost to the point of being disgusted, disgusting. It was back. Y'all remember, um, Lars would remember, when the Diamondbacks won the World Series with a little flare back up the middle base hit. Uh, yeah, Luis Gonzalez. It, you know, he it, played it, it, in it South crushed, Alabama. It crushed me because uh, that was uh, 2001, and I only remember that because um, Yankees, the Yankees had become America's team after 9-11, and I had written like a 6,000-word story on how 9-11 shaped the Yankees. And that story was uh, never ran. Well. <laughs> Thanks to Luis Gonzalez. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and the amazing thing about that game, Matt, I'm sure you, you recall, Mariano Rivera entered with the lead. I mean, and, and that was like money, game over. No, yep. no closer in history was better than Mar- Mariano Rivera uh, with that cut fastball. And Rivera couldn't even explain how he threw the fat, how why it happened. 
it was just a natural thing that it, it came off of his uh, hand that way, and he didn't even know where the cut fastball was going to go. Anyway. Well, he uh, – and let me tell you, this was not a line shot back up the middle. It was a dying quail. It was uh, like a broken I mean, it, bat. Yeah, right. it, and it barely made it to the outfield grass, but it scored the winning run, and Gonzalez, of course, was heralded. But um, the next spring, when they went to spring training, uh, Gonzalez was, you know, just going through all his stuff and um, warm-ups and, you know, what you do in spring training, um, practice breaking up double plays, that kind of stuff. No, uh, he was over near the fence when not one of the dugouts and uh, there was a Diamondbacks fan that was was watching him and he watched him spit his double bubble out he spit his gum right out there on the grass and this guy said I, I want that why why what do you want the oh DNA but anyway he went over and scooped it up and kept it and later on eBay or whatever the equivalent was I don't know how you prove this somebody gave him $6,000 for Luis Gonzalez chewed up double bubble that is uh, <laughs> disturbing on multiple levels. Well, and maybe the most disturbing thing is that I remember it. But uh, I guess I guess you don't forget stuff like that. But guys, well, man, you know, I'd, I do want to ask. You know what? Think, think about this. Think about what somebody would pay for savings chew. Oh, I'm sure there's somebody out there who'd pay good money yeah. for that. I'm not going there. What were you going to say, Lars? Okay, so I want to ask you guys, what one possession would you grab from your home if your home was about ready to go up in flames? But before we get to that, and, and Gaither, you're in on this one. Um, before we get into that, Christian, tell us the, the story of your uh, jersey getting stolen. True. Man. Oh, it's it's uh it's very unfortunate. So, um unfortunately one of my notable moments here was when I tore my hamstring against Oklahoma, um playing Kyler Murray um down in Miami. Well while I'm in excruciating pain with my hamstring, having to get helped off the field, they you know, they take me to the locker room. Well, I mean, I'm only focused on my leg at this moment. Yeah. I don't even remember like where I set my pads. I, I took my took my shoulder pads off because I'm in the locker room. I'm I'm not going back in the game, and so I'm just sitting in the, in the training room. I'm watching the game on the TV in there. I've got ice on my leg that, that, while it's spazzing out, and it's just a very uncomfortable situation. Well, long story short, I'm not even thinking about my jersey or my 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 gear and how that could potentially be my last football game in Alabama uniform ever. Um, I'm just worried about my leg and trying to, and then and my team winning the game. Well, I just go about, you know, the game finishes, we win the game and I'm in the locker room with everybody and my legs kind of finally, finally kind of calming down and I'm packing up my, our gear. So what we always do is you have to put like your jersey and stuff in like, like we have like these big travel bags when we play away and you put like, you know, your cleats, your shoulder pads, your, your, all your pads and accessories and whatnot. Well, all I see is just my shoulder pads. And I'm like, that's strange. Cause I don't remember taking my Jersey off. So I assumed the equipment staff just got my Jersey for me. I'm mm -hmm. thinking, Oh, they did me a favor since I'm, you know, I'm, you know, hurt. I'm crippled right now. But we get back to, <laughs> back to Tuscaloosa. They're asking me, like, hey, did you take your jersey? And I was like, no. 
they had no idea where it's at, where it was, and that was the last I ever saw it. And um, till this day, I still have no clue what happened to it, whether it was Jeez. somebody from the stadium that took it or potentially could have been one of my teammates. Which Was it in the locker room where you took it off? I was in the locker room. room. I was in the locker room, I know. At least I was in the locker room. But that's all I know. I mean, it. it but it, again, it's, I got hurt, I think, early third quarter. So could somebody, you know, uh, an event worker or somebody on the someone... It, with access, could have they have gone in there during Boy, the game? A lot of people would have access to that. Yeah, you know what's you know what's weird is I got a call. Um, I don't know if it was like a year later or what. It, it was a good bit later though. It wasn't like within like weeks or a month or so. It was later. I think I think I might have already been drafted. What up? But I got a call from somebody. And they actually were saying that they they saw it. For sale, or they, they, they saw one of my jerseys? Because you got to remember, this is a bowl game, so it has the patch on it. Yeah. So, and that was the only time. It's it was a pretty was, cool jersey. Yeah. It, uh, was it, it's an orange bowl, it was right? The orange, the orange bowl. bowl. Yeah, yeah, so they got the orange bowl patch on there. Well, long story short, somebody said something about, yeah, somebody tried to sell it to me, or somebody was selling it. And I was like, well, who? And then... There are some, I, uh, and I'm not going to say all this, but some, a name was mentioned of a guy that actually played with me. And it was a very weird situation because I'm like, I don't know why he would be trying to sell much or how he got it. But I, I just, at that point, I, was, I never really followed much up on it because it, it was very fishy. And I, I mean, I don't know if it could have been fake or what, but to this day, I have no idea where it is. And. If anybody's listening out there and they bought this jersey <laughs> or they know where it's at, I would love to have it back. I will gladly compensate you because, again, that was the last time I ever put on a – well, that's a lie. I dressed out for the National Championship game, but I didn't play. So that jersey was the last time I ever played in the game for Alabama. And oh, it, and it was wow. Very meaningful to me. I, I'm not going to lie. I was very hurt when I, when I couldn't find it. I, luckily, I have other jerseys from my time here. I have a handful. Thanks, Springer, for letting us keep some. But – that one was the last time yeah. I ever played. I got my last sack in that in that jersey. I mean, very sentimental. Y'all know me by now. I'm a very sentimental person. Yeah, I, I would love yes. that jersey back if I can find it. Hey, I I'll help you. Uh, let's <laughs> uh, we'll play the role of detectives here, and we'll. It, see I if mean, we can it'd probably be a fun little down. game. Yeah. I, yeah. Again, I, and I don't remember who it was, but somebody reached out and they said, "Hey, yeah, somebody was selling this or, or tried to." Offer, and I was like. I think we should start like social media campaign. I mean, you know, <laughs> Tom Brady. Tom Brady got his Super Bowl jersey back that was stolen. Well, didn't he get the yeah. football? Didn't they? Didn't somebody throw with his uh, like record breaking football in the stands? They somehow they, they struck a deal to get that back from the fan or something like that. Like yes, Mike Evans might have so. threw it. Um, I don't know if no, I can compensate like several that. years ago. Yeah, he was Brady's, getting like season tickets Brady's, or something. Brady's know. jersey was stolen from uh, like right from his locker right, oh, really? right after the Super Bowl. And uh, wait, yeah. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, he got it back, right? It was he, it a reporter did. that did it. It was. It was a guy yeah. who was acting as a reporter. Um, wow. Yeah, <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Wow. Oh, acting as a reporter. I, I. Well, yes, he was quote unquote a reporter. I believe, if I if I recall correctly. Um, you don't want to claim and, him. And he, yeah, <laughs> I think he had done it before, actually. Um, 
But okay, so let's let, let's play this little game of uh, the one possession that you would keep that you would save from your house when it, your house was on fire and burning down, and uh, it. Uh, for you, Christian, it can't be anything Alabama-related. No, nothing Alabama-related. <laughs> and, and, and real quick, and this is silly, but and so like, no, we're not talking about pets or anything. Not pets. Right? So no, then, no, I just said I had no, to be. No I pets, had to be no sure. Pets, I had to be sure. No I got to. I'll, I'll go first. And this is just uh, me being sentimental. But but my dad gave me a uh, a dictionary, uh, of course, right? I'm a word guy. And uh, a Webster's leather-bound dictionary that uh, that my mom's dad had given him when he graduated from law school, and the inscription wrote, um, you know, uh, it, it was dated 1966. So proud of you graduating with honors from Boulder, um, and uh, may this serve you well in your career. And then uh, when I graduated from college, you know, so proud of you graduating with honors. May this dictionary serve you as well as it served me. And wow. I'm obviously, yeah. And I can't wait to give that. If any of my kids decide to become writers, like they are getting that dictionary. Um, by far and away, it's my most treasured sort of family memento that I have. Um, Joe Gaither. <laughs> what would you save? <laughs> I've been uh, doing a little mock interview back here. So what would I say? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. Uh, we're talking about if one item you would save if your house was burning down. Cat. Uh, oh, it can't be a cat not, or a not, dog. Not, okay. Um, oh, you got some bears an, memorabilia an, or an, something. An inanimate object. Nothing. nothing. You got nothing, Joe? Um, every... <laughs> Everything in my house is replaced. replaced uh, no way. You're telling it like it is. Yeah, and there's, like, you can come into my house, and sure, you can probably scoop a couple of things and think, think you got some valuables and make yourself feel good, but I, you know, as long as I'm getting the cat, everything else can burn. Fair enough. All right. Matt Coulter. Karen. Well, other than your wife, yeah. All right. Uh I have a very, very old antique phonograph, and you've seen it, Lars. It's oh, just yeah. in the corner of my den, and it's very near and dear to me. I don't know if y'all know this. Lars does, I think, but I lost both my brother, my sister, my mother, my father at a very young age, uh, but that represents my family. It would be a little cumbersome, but I would find some way to get that thing out of here in a hurry. So there's mine. It was all about family. Christian? So my rules were no Alabama memorabilia or anything. No Alabama. Well, it, no, no, that's true. No, that that makes be. it more interesting. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, we probably would say like my, I have a, like a box with like jerseys and stuff. But um, if it if we're excluding Alabama uh, gear or memorabilia, I would say I have a um, like a um, like a hard drive um, that my my grandfather gave me the hard drive. Now the, the hard drive itself isn't really of significance, but. When, when I was like 15 or 16, like I started say, cause I don't think really had like iCloud and stuff like that. Yeah. So what I used to do was manually transfer like all my memories, like onto this hard drive. So anytime I move, I always, it's one of the few things that I always, other than like the memorabilia stuff, I grab, make sure I find, because 
it's got like like all of my memories, like photos and videos from when I was back to when I was like 14. Oh wow! And uh, yeah, and, and like basically from like my camera rolls and stuff when I was younger. And so I always thought it was a cool thing because it almost kind of shows me going from like 14 to kind of where now I have iCloud and stuff to where I am now. And uh, I always thought it was a cool thing because it's funny. I look back and I'm like, so like this was what I was doing when I was in ninth grade and tenth grade, eleventh grade, and just seeing kind of just my growth and my progression. It just was really cool. So I'd say that that hard drive. Yeah, wish they had stuff like that when we were kids, Lars. Yeah, all, I, I do all too. All the stuff that I think that I did, the magnificent plays. <laughs> we can, we and, can and, prove and, them and, all yeah. wrong. Well, the thing is, it, it, you know, they get better over time in your head, and there's nothing, there's no video evidence to dispute your greatness. Okay, maybe it's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. All right, uh, Kevin Skarbinski's up next on Big Noon Sports. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful afternoon, a sunny sky, the high today 75. Clear tonight, the low 48. Tomorrow's sunny weather continues, the high 76. Thursday becoming cloudy with a good chance of rain by afternoon, the high Thursday at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Thanks for all joining us on this gorgeous Tuesday afternoon. Man, it is pretty. Had to bolt out the door just for a minute just to enjoy it. Kevin Skarbinski is our next guest. Kevin was recently inducted, and rightfully so, into the United States Basketball Writers Association Hall of Fame. That took place at the Final Four. Very cool. Uh, we haven't had him on since, so Kevin, welcome into the program, and first of all, just a uh, very hearty congratulations. I think we're still efforting. Uh, oh, Kevin's up. All right. Kevin. Do I need to repeat that all over again? <laughs> the United States Basketball Writers Association Hall of Fame. Congratulations, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. I'm still pinching myself uh, over that over that honor, but uh, it's very, very, very humbling and, and very exciting as well. Kevin, how'd you find uh, out? Yeah. You know, uh, Malcolm Moran, who uh, I think you you guys probably know, long time yeah. sports writer, very distinguished career, and Luke DeCock, who is the president. Uh, well, this over this past year was the president of the USBWA. They called me back in December and and let me know, and I was blown away then. And of course, they swore me to secrecy and said they would be releasing it, you know, sometime after the start of the year. And well, January came and went, and February came and went, and they never announced anything. And I thought, did I dream that call? Did that actually oh, happen? No. <laughs> you know. And and then and in fact, Luke was apologizing at the at the luncheon at the Final Four. He was apologizing that it took so long to announce it. And I said, well, I don't know, you didn't plan it this way, but you couldn't have done it at a better time for me personally because they announced it the Tuesday uh, the, of the first week of the NCAA tournament, which was the first time in 15 years that the tournament had returned to Birmingham. And so all of, uh, you know, a lot of people that I 
that I knew, have known in the business, friends that I hadn't seen in some time came to town. And, and so it really was, it was nice to, uh, you know, to have that recognition uh, go public at that time. So it was, uh, yeah, it's been, it's, it's been like a dream. Like I said, I it was, I, I had to pinch myself at different times and wonder if it was actually true. And then, you know, to be at the awards luncheon and with people like Bob Ryan and, and Dick Hoops Weiss and, to be inducted with people like Seth Davis and Leslie Visser and Grant Wall, uh, I mean, it's just, I, I mean, it's, its I almost don't have words to really express uh, what it means to me to be part of that, part of that team. Yeah, I mean, you went in with such a great group. Um, Kevin, you and I have known each other a long time and you've always been so gracious in, in talking to my classes and we've just become friends over the years. And I think it's, it's, it, it, it is awesome that you went in with uh, Seth and, and I'm really happy that the, that Grant was inducted as well. Um, you know, I think it was really nice for his family. Looking back on your career, in just college basketball, is there a story that sticks out? You know, one that uh, that that really uh, you're you're immensely proud of, or uh, just a, a moment of covering college basketball that sticks out. Wow, there, there's so many moments of you know, and and one thing that because coaches I think recognized you know, fairly early that, that I really did care about the sport. And then I took it as seriously as I took college football and I would treat it that way. I think they, while they didn't always like what I wrote, they didn't always agree with what I wrote and they would certainly let me know. I think they had, a, a, a sometimes it was a grudging respect, but I think they respected my, you know, again, my approach to the game because that was their livelihood, right? And that's what they did. Uh, that's what they devoted every day to, and they saw that, that I recognized that and I took it seriously and felt like it deserved to be covered just like college football. And so, you know, so many memories, you know, what, probably the funniest was, uh, it wasn't funny necessarily at the time, was someone at the Birmingham News decided we're going to not have beat writers for a while. We were going to have a college football editor and a college basketball editor, and Charles Hollis was the football editor, I was the basketball editor, and we would rotate our writers to cover different schools for a week or two at a time. So in basketball, that meant one week I might be covering Wimp Sanderson and Alabama, the next week I might be covering Auburn, the next week I might be covering Gene Bartow and UAB, and, and Gene Bartow got so mad at me uh, for something I'd written, they were about, UAB was about to play DePaul in the old Rosemont Horizon, and I had written about their, they had a losing streak in road games, and that was my advanced story for the game. It just made sense. It was factual. It was logical. Well, they lose the game, and afterwards, you know, I would always follow a coach if I had time out of the formal press conference to try to get, mm-hmm. you know, a one-on-one word with them. And, and Gene Bartow, kindly, grandfatherly Gene Bartow, got in my face, uh, started jabbing his finger in my direction. I mean, we were nose to nose and he's screaming at me and he's accusing me of being an Alabama fan and going on those trips to tear his program down. <laughs> and and I, I, I said, Gene, it's, I, this is not the time or place to have this discussion. It's Saturday night, I'm on deadline, I'm gonna go talk to your players. Well, he spins on his heels and, and practically runs to the locker room, flings the locker room door open and says, nobody talks to Skarbinski. 
So, you know, so we, so I had obviously anger at Gene Barto. And the next week, though, I'm covering Alabama, and I'm sitting with Wim Sanderson in his office, and I'm telling him this story. And he says, now listen, I know you're no Alabama fan, some of the crap you've written about us. Now don't go writing something bad about me to make yourself look better with him. So that's uh, that's something that stands out, uh, uh, you know. From And Gene and I, of course, and, and, you know, and Gene and I became – Especially after his retirement, we became really good friends, and and the same has been true with Wimp and Sonny Smith. And I mean, I couldn't have asked for better better people to be around in the basketball world. And then so many players. I mean, Antoine Petway, I've known him forever. Mo Finley at UAB. Uh, go back to Chuck Person and Frank Ford and Gerald White and Jeff Moore at Auburn, and we could go on and on and just. So many great people, so many great stories, and they allow, when they allow you to tell their stories, that's what's special uh, as a, as a writer and a journalist. And I've been very, very fortunate in that regard. Kevin, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I was at the Rosemont Horizon that night in Chicago, and I was walking out, and I saw him buttonhole you, and I went, "Who is that guy getting on to Skarbinski?" And then I got around on the side, and reason this was as un Gene Barto like as anything I've ever seen in my life. And Gary Sanders and John Gentilly were walking by and just shaking our heads going, what in the world? And I'll, I'll say this, and then we, we need to move on. But, Kevin, if we'd have had camera phones back then, if I could have gotten a picture of your face, because it was as unexpected to you as it was anybody. Um, oh, I was, yes. I, 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 that, that's as uncomfortable. I think that's as uncomfortable as I've ever been in a professional setting, tell. you know, with someone that I, because it was so unexpected. Yeah, that that never. he would he would just launch on me like that. He never had done that. Now he again, we disagreed as with every coach I've ever written about. We've had disagreements, but but that was so far above. And, uh, yeah, still to this day, Flores. And again, we of course we buried the hatchet uh, sometime afterwards. But yeah, that that one always will stand out as one of those what, what just happened here moments. Okay. God, I was. It's incredible. Uh, I was going to ask Kevin real quick. Uh, something we've talked about recently was um, Hugh Freeze's suggestion of uh, Alabama and Auburn, the bigger SEC schools in the state, maybe playing a Troy or UAB, South Alabama, one of those programs for a spring game instead of you know their 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 A days that they hold. I saw that you wrote an article. Do you mind just kind of just sharing your opinion on that? I, I, I thought what you kind of noted in there was pretty interesting about how you, you don't even think they should basically take that offer when they won't uh, agree to play them in a regular season. Yeah, Christian, I, I fear that if that ever came to pass, that the NCAA allowed exhibition games, if you will, in the spring, in place of the, the spring games as we've known them, that – you know, schools from Power Five conferences, for example, would use those opportunities perhaps to play, you know, other football bowl subdivision schools as, as Troy is, as UAB is, as South Alabama is. Mm-hmm. And that would make, and make it even more unlikely that they would play those teams in the regular season. Look, those opportunities are going to shrink as the SEC goes to nine conference games. So there'll be fewer non-conference opportunities. And, and Alabama has, has just absolutely refused to play anyone in the state besides Auburn. Auburn has has played other schools in the state, but they have never played Troy. They have not played UAB since UAB's first uh, FBS game back in 1996. And so I, I, I think you know that 
we would lose that. I think I think that door is already closed. Mm-hmm. I think if you played them in in exhibition or spring games, uh, that would put a padlock on that door, and it would it would never ever happen. It still may never happen, but I think it. I think most people would tell you they would rather if it's going to happen, they'd rather see it in the regular season. That they'd rather see those teams compete. Look, did it did it hold back Nick Saban and LSU in 2000 when they lost to UAB? Uh, on a last-second field goal. No, it didn't. The, the next year, they won the SEC. Three years later, they won the BCS National Championship. Did it hold back Alabama when they lost to Louisiana Monroe uh, in Nick Saban's first season? No, it did not. Uh, you know, it's been a one championship after another since. So uh, the idea that, you know, playing those games is a no-win situation for the, you know, the, the Power 5 school, I, I, don't, I don't buy that. I think... That would be a great moment in UAB history or Troy history if they were to beat Alabama or Auburn. Yeah. It would not; they would not replace those programs in the pecking order if that were to happen. It would be a one-off. It would be a big story. It would be a memory. It would be it would be a bumper sticker like UAB fans uh, of of uh, more historic vintage still own that say UAB one UA zero because they beat them in their only meeting in men's basketball in the NIT in 1993. Mm. Kevin, Kevin, yeah, sorry, uh, Kevin, you're like me in that uh, you aren't originally from Alabama. You uh, grew up in Pottsville, Pennsylvania, and um, and 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 then you know worked your way down here. Do you think the fact that you aren't from Alabama helped you cover the state of Alabama? Oh, absolutely, Lars. I really do because. Even though, of course, uh, I get accused of being a fan of one school or another or being an opponent of one school or another, that, that's simply not the case. I didn't grow up uh, loving or, or not loving uh, Alabama or Auburn or UAB or any other school uh, outside of Penn State where I was going to go to school because I was I grew up in Pennsylvania, as you said, and, and then I was raised Catholic, so I was a Notre Dame fan. And so, I, I, but I didn't. And he, but I was just as much a, a professional sports fan, you know, growing up 90 miles from Philadelphia. So I didn't have that in my blood when I got here. I really was uh, a neutral. I really was uh, an open uh, slate, if you will, to learning about the programs and learning about the people, getting to know the people and learning the history of, of those programs. And, and, and I've often said... I don't think I could have, as someone who over time became far more of a college sports fan than a pro sports fan, I don't think I could have worked in a, in a better place than Birmingham, Alabama for the Birmingham News. I think it was the ideal place, not only because of the excellence in college football, but because of what college basketball was and has become through the years. Uh, it, it, you know, If you love both those sports, as, as I do, I don't think I could have worked anywhere better. And again, the people I've met, the opportunities I've had to cover national events, to cover championships, and then those small moments, Lars, that you mentioned that happened maybe away from the cameras that maybe you never write about. Uh, you know, like it, uh, the Final Four one year, I did a story on a young man. He was, it was a, he had a serious disease, and it was his magic moment to go to the Final Four. And he was from the area, and I wrote a story about him beforehand. And I was sitting in the kingdom in Seattle before the semifinals on Final Four Saturday. And, a, and a, someone came up by and pulled, uh, started tugging on my jacket. And I turned around and it was that nine-year-old little boy. 
and he had the biggest smile on his face. And and I will always, I will, that moment, I'm getting chills just thinking about it now. Uh, those are the kind of moments that make uh, what I've been lucky to do for so long so special. Well, what a great, great note to end this on, Kevin. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. And once again, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. So well-deserved, Kevin. Thank you, guys. Always enjoy our visits. Let's do it again. All right. Take Thanks, care. Thanks, Kevin. I assure you we will. Um, Coming back, we will uh, continue our conversations here. A note on Cody Ware, a note on Cale Yarborough. Those are just brief notes. But uh, we'll get to that in just a few minutes on Big News Sports. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. Sorry. Hey, uh, man, they were a tandem and a force to be reckoned with back then. So um, thoughts yeah. and prayers to the Yarborough family and all his fans. Yeah, I, I do know that he's only one of two drivers in NASCAR history to win three straight titles, right? Back in 76, 77, 78. And I obviously wasn't covering the sport back then, not I don't think you were, Matt, but... No. But You know, when you see a driver who is dominant now, uh, the question always becomes, is it the man or is it the machine? And I tend to lean toward it's the machine. Uh, and, and But it takes the man to help build the machine, the driver, right? The driver has to be able sure. to articulate what he is feeling in the car, inside the cockpit, with extreme precision, precision to the uh, <laughs> imprecise statement, sta- saying of precision. Uh, has to be able to tell the crew chief exactly what he's feeling, Right. I think that's sort of the key to everything. But back in the mid-70s, was it the same formula for success? When Yar- like what, what would you say was Yarbrough's signature skill? Um, I, you know, he was just one of those guys that wreck you if he needed to. And everybody remembers what happened with him and the Allisons at the Daytona 500. But, wow, good memory. He won the championship 76, 77, 78. He had four Daytona 500 wins in three decades, 68, 77, 83, and 84. I was there for the last two. It was very cool. But I, Dave, when you started setting up your question, my immediate thought <clears throat> was that the other teams, when somebody started, oh, <clears throat> pardon me, when another team started getting a distinct advantage, you know what the other teams thought? Uh, we got to find out what they're doing, what, yeah. uh, how they're cheating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you remember what they did with Elliott in the eighties was almost criminal because they'd figure something out. NASCAR couldn't figure it out if they needed to. And none of the other teams were, could. And that's why he dominated in the mid eighties. But, uh, that's a, a good, good I conversation. I just remember the, uh, the jet fuel, right? Uh, Michael Walter yes. put his car uh, yes. and NASCAR stripping it down. And, and uh, I wrote a line in Sports Illustrated, gosh, uh, about that car. I forget what Daytona 500 that was. But I said it looked like, you know, some abandoned car in the Bronx. And um, that made it all the way up the food chain to the very top guy at Time, Inc., and I had to apologize to him because he thought that that was a very inappropriate line. 
I, apparently he lived well, in, he lived in the Bronx. <laughs> I, you offend, had to. I, have, I offended um, an entire borough. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one down, four to go. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> Hey, uh, let's wrap this thing up on the other side of the break. Guys, uh, you're listening to Big Noon Sports. Thank you. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. My home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, ETA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. My caretaker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA Grant Number 18-VA-VS-050, the ABA, and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of r r Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to r r and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern-day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athletes are fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. What a beautiful afternoon, a sunny sky, the high today 75, clear tonight below 48. Tomorrow, sunny weather continues, the high 76. Thursday becoming cloudy with a good chance of rain by afternoon, the high Thursday at 72. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
sports with just a couple of minutes left before we wrap this show up. I will pass along the programming note. Scooby Wright, uh, the very colorful, charismatic linebacker for the Birmingham Stallions, will be joining us tomorrow. What do you guys got as well? We wrap up the show. Anything from Lars Christian? Well, Christian and I were just talking about the wonderful game of chess. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a slow sports day. Um, Matt, I, I grew up playing chess and, uh, my, my father had a, uh, a marble chess board and with, um, really nice pieces that he had purchased over in Japan when he was, uh, serving in the Navy. Nice. And, um, of course, like my brother somehow snagged that away I, I, and, and, I, and now he can't find it. Which oh, really, oh, really bothers me. Uh, but the question is, Matt, is chess a sport? No. Oh, man. No. Do you play? I do. I played a lot when I was younger. Really? Man. Um, oh, well, you're the son of a rocket scientist. You're going to play that as opposed to checkers. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Nothing. nothing. Yeah. Hey, let me not offend all the checkers players. But uh, no, I, I think... Uh, most of my identification with sports uh, is going to have some hand-eye, some physical, some endurance. Um, it's going to have an athletic component to it, and I don't see any of that with chess. See, yeah, and that's fair. I, I respect that. Now, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to make our, our our female listeners mad, but do you consider cheer a sport? That's a, that's a tough yeah. take, Matt. More so. More oh, yeah. so, yes. No, I definitely I agree. Definitely much more. I just I remember I feel like in high school there was like some type of debate going on about that. I don't know why I'm thinking that right now. Would you see like uh the band and uh and the cheer squad at like six AM in the in, when you were working out in the summers? I used to see the band out there and not only would they be out there early, they would be out there all day. Now, if you want to talk about somebody who deserves more recognition and credit yeah, than, I they, agree. than they get, I, 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 I tell my students that, all that the time, band, like, there's they, a great stories. Uh, they are holding the heavy instruments in a hundred degree heat, and they're and again, I mean, you're 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 blowing to play these instruments. I mean, you got to be winded, lightheaded, have to have the the stamina to hold th- this equipment. The, the heat's on you, and they're out there for hours, man. Like. I don't think they get enough recognition. I, mean, I know that we have the million dollar band and they do get recognition, but I don't know if they get enough. When would they come over and play at practice? When it, we would, uh, I think it was like when we were like getting prepared for like the first game. It was like towards the end of training, training camp, training camp was just uh, like wrapped up. So, and would, would that always be kind of a special deal? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was very short lived. I mean, it would be literally it would be like we'd finish practice and they'd come out there Coach Saban would speak for like a minute or two saying, all right, you know, freshman, you got to learn this, our fight song. They're going to play it. They're going to help us out. And then we'd, he'd do it once, and then they'd have to sing and do it twice. And then he'd say, thank you all. Appreciate it. We, yeah, we'd break. But it, it is kind of Nick a cool. Nick Saban did fail music as a as a seventh grader. <laughs> did he? <laughs> yes. How do you <laughs> fail music? Because <laughs> he, he wouldn't get up and sing because he was so, oh, well, uh, so shy. I would, uh, that that would have been me. Uh, yeah, that would have been me. Uh, luckily, I don't think we had to get up and sing. I think we used to kind of just do it as a group or something. Uh, have you always heard the song like Hot Cross Buns? <laughs> yeah, I have as a child. Yeah, I, 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 remember, I just remember we used to sing songs like Hot Cross Buns. <laughs> and it just reminded me like cinnamon rolls or something. I used to always get hungry. <laughs>
Yeah. Um, so I yeah, didn't feel that class. Right but. up there with uh, <laughs> Chopsticks and some other and Twinkle, 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 Little Star. Yeah. Um, yeah, I remember my grandfather sitting me on his lap playing that. Um, <laughs> my daughter played in the band at Troy, 300 strong, and they practiced as much as the football team did. And if you've ever seen somebody struggle, uh, you know, 5'1 girl weighs about 100 in a wet band uniform trying to march across the field mm-hmm. with a with a saxophone um that was clarinet sorry whoops but anyway <laughs> by the way i've got to throw this out there speaking of uh today is madison you have met her many times mm-hmm. lars yeah uh, my middle child and daughter and the uh, mother of my three grandchildren it is her birthday today happy birthday and happy i birthday. just want to wish her a very happy birthday she's a very very special girl by the way tomorrow you guys need to learn all the words to the fight song if you don't know already. Uh-oh. And also, you need to find out if you don't know already, why do they call Alabama the million-dollar band? Do y'all know? I don't know, but I, I, don't know I will say I have a great gift for Madison. If uh, she's living in pain, foot pain, knee pain, or back pain, she needs to she set needs. her up with some good old good feet art supports. In Tuscaloosa, that's over at Midtown Village. These art supports are precision fit to your personal needs, lifestyle, or profession. Whatever it is that Madison does, I'm sure she would greatly benefit from them. Uh, I use them for all situations. It's remarkable the difference they make in such a short period of time. Again, it's try before you buy. You've got nothing to lose, people. You can walk out with them that very same day if you like them, which I'm sure you will. So, again, that's Good Feet, Midtown Village in Tuscaloosa, or you can visit them online and make an appointment at goodfeet.com. That's Good Feet, improving the lives of two uh, people two feet at a time including madison so happy birthday madison happy birthday yeah and believe me chasing uh 12 a seven and a four-year-old around she probably needs two pair <laughs> oh absolutely and the kids might need them too soon <laughs> <laughs> i need them i'm coming to tuscaloosa see you guys 